Hi, I'm Jen. And I'm Tiff. And we're here with GovTech Talks. Tiffany, I'm really excited. Today we have a very special guest who I've been working with for a couple of years now, Ed Bozy with Patterson, New Jersey. He's the CIO over there. Bloomberg Philanthropies announced the 15 winning cities of the 2021-22 Global Mayors Challenge, uh, which is a worldwide innovation competition that supports and spreads cities' most promising ideas. Um, so there were over 600 cities across the globe who entered this challenge it was then brought down to 50 and now the these 15 winners are being recognized for designing the boldest and most ambitious of the urban innovations to emerge from the pandemic they are all getting a million dollars towards their program the winning ideas i address one or more of four current issue areas in cities including economic recovery and inclusive growth health and well-being climate and environment, and gender and equality. Patterson, New Jersey's appropriate medication-assisted treatment anytime, anywhere, also known as RealFix, was awarded one of the $1 million grants um, in addition to technical support and coaching over three years for their program. So I'm really excited to welcome Ed to the show and talk a little bit more about his RealFix project. Ed, thanks for being here today on our podcast. Uh, Tiffany and I are really excited to talk to you. Oh, happy to be here. Great. Um, hey, could you just start off by telling us a little bit of background on the Patterson community and um, your role there as the CIO? Patterson is a city of about 160,000 people. We're only, only in eight square miles. We're the most, uh, heavily, second most densely populated city in the country. Um, we have a poverty rate about probably really about twice the national average. Uh, we have a considerable opioid problem in the city and, uh, and uh, about 1,700 overdoses per year, so that's almost five a day, which is quite a lot in, in, a, in a city of only uh, eight square miles. So I, I come to Patterson uh, two years ago as the chief innovation officer. This is my first time in the public service space. Uh, I come from, uh, I was a VP of innovation at uh, Xerox, uh, and uh, worked with Palo Alto Research Center, so in several startups since then. So, but uh, this was my first time bringing those skills into the public sphere. Okay, great. Thanks for that background. I know it's it's amazing when you hear the numbers and the statistics. It's it's kind of mind blowing, but that's why it is refreshing that there are people like you out there. Um, starting programs like this. And Tiffany and I started GovTech Talks because we really wanted to show people that, you know, there are good things happening in government, right? We feel like a lot of times media covers the sensational headlines, not necessarily what's going on, boots on the ground, programs and communities that are truly helping people. Um, so I know you started the Real Fix program because Patterson, like you were saying, you know, faces a pandemic that we really don't speak about as much, which is the opioid addiction. So can you just talk a little bit about Real Fix and um, how you thought of it and why it's important to Patterson? Uh, yeah, Real Fix is sort of our brand name. Uh, the long, unsexy name was Appropriate Medication Assisted Treatment Anytime, Anywhere in 90, 90 Minutes. Uh, that was like a, a mouthful, even though every word was meaningful. But uh, what it really goes to is that uh, 
the dominant form of addiction treatment is abstinence-based treatment, you know, basically going cold turkey. Um, and that is incredibly unsuccessful, even though like 70% of the people that get treatment in this area are getting abstinence-based treatment, even though it has, um, some studies would indicate 10 times as many relapses and twice as many deaths as medication-assisted treatment. So absolutely the wrong, you know, if, if you're thinking like, from my private sector days, if you're thinking about in terms of, of a product, we're selling the worst product, right? Um, you know, our best product is medication-assisted treatment. Uh, you've heard about methadone, but there are much better medications now, like, for example, Suboxone. The problem is, is that also we're selling the product at the wrong time of day. It's like, so opioid, uh, we take a look at the data and opioid overdoses, so opioid use spikes between like 4 p.m. and 11 p.m., uh, but all of the treatment centers close at, at 3 p.m. So it's kind of like we're selling hamburgers for breakfast, uh, only it's even worse because, you know, I, I said that they close at 3 p.m., but when you call and say, I want to get in, they'll say, okay, I'll see you next Monday, which might as well be a year from now. So it was just, you know, selling hamburgers for breakfast, but you have to wait a week to get it. <laughs> So it was just like, that is crazy. Basically, we have to give you medication-assisted treatment on demand, or like right away, like ordering a pizza. Uh, and, and so, you know, that, that, that's the premise is that, you know, Real Fix is about you call 1-833-REAL-FIX. Uh, we give you a little education about MAT, medication-assisted treatment. And then if you say, yeah, I want to do that, we refer you to a teledoc, and you have a teledoc visit, and the teledoc wires your prescription to a 24-7 pharmacy, and then that, that prescription is picked up and delivered to you. So all within, when you say, I want it, that whole thing from when you say, I want it, getting hooked up, the pharmacy delivered to your home happens within 90 minutes. So it was, you know, but it's the orchestration, right? It's like nobody had ever done that before. And we realized that, you know, each of these individual parts exist, but nobody had ever tried to put them together so that you could be that responsive. Um, and so that's where we needed a solution to really manage that process. You know, think about sort of like the real fixed call center, the call center operators, like uh, the orchestra leader, just making sure that, okay, doctor's done, pharmacy starts, delivery person, delivery person, we were trying in this, you've got 10 minutes left, and I know exactly when you're getting there. So... Uh, we needed a tool, uh, which we thought of like sort of like a business process management tool. You know, in our sphere, we might call it a computer-aided dispatch tool. Um, but we needed something to manage that whole process in a very tight way. That's fascinating. Um, now, through this process, I understand you've actually been out on the streets involved in, in some of these cases. Yeah. Any experiences that stand out that you might want to share? Well, um, first we first we tried it out. First, we like just simulated it, right? So that, that was like a very important thing in working with the QuickBase tool is that, you know, we built it very quick. We simulated it like with play actors. We learned things. We tweaked, we tweaked, we tweaked. And that's, that's really kind of an integral to the whole innovation process is that... Um, you kind of have a general sense of how things are going to work. You know, you've storyboarded it out, but until you actually use it, you really don't know. And you know that you're going to have to make rapid changes and tweak things continuous improvement-wise. And so we did that. We, we did the storyboard, and then we built it out, and then we did play acting, and then we actually started taking actual appointments in the evening. Um, and uh, so that was very, very interesting. Um, 
And, uh, you know, we were able to, um, for two nights we did it, and we averaged respond, getting people their medication within 76 minutes. Right? The slowest was 88 minutes, the fastest was 55 minutes, and we averaged 76 minutes. So, like, and that was, like, incredibly important that we were able to build it that quickly because everybody would thought that the idea was, like, really a really good idea, right? And, and even our coach was saying, go ahead, submit it to Bloomberg. Um, you've already simulated it. You're fine. And they're like, yeah, we're making, like, a really outlandish proposal that we can actually, in practice, not simulating it, but in practice, deliver it within 90 minutes. So we said, we feel really uh, certain that we actually have to, like, do a pilot and actually show dealing with real patients and real pharmacies that we could do this. And so we did it. And uh, I think that was instrumental to us getting the, uh, the $1 million, you know, winning the challenge, which is really, really crazy idea. But uh, we did that. And, and then, we, uh, then we went further. We had like a fun exercise where we actually went out onto the street. Uh, and so we had a thing called like Real Fix Friday. It's kind of like a Taco Tuesday, only for addiction treatment. And so we actually took our, well, we took our, our, our mobile medical van and we actually brought it in the hot spot of the city. So we're like within visual distance of, of the heroin dealers. It's like, so we got the signs up. They know what we're about. We know what they're about. We know who they are. You know, we, we, we can't arrest them because until we actually see them do it. But, but so it was kind of like an in your face, like this is coming. We know you're our competition. And we're going we're gonna to make it more convenient to get the treatment than to get the, the, the heroin. That's the key. That's the key is that when people are approaching withdrawal, they fear withdrawal more than they fear death. And so if you can't get them the treatment quickly, then they're just going to go for the heroin. So if that, that was our thing. It's like, hey, our competition are the heroin dealers, and we're going to make the cure more convenient than the heroin. I, I love it. It's it's like you've taken guerrilla marketing, mm -hmm. innovation, all those things that I think we typically associate with commercial businesses and, and acted it in a government use case mm -hmm. here to really fight, you know, an, an epidemic. So it's it's amazing what you all have done here. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't know how many people know about the Bloomberg Mayor's Challenge, but it's really, I, I don't want to, you know, you know, bang our own drum, but you know, we're a little city, you know, a tiny city, and we're in this global competition where, like, any city in the world can apply, and 631 cities applied from 99 countries, and we were one of just 15 that, that won a million dollars, one of only three in the U.S. So, yeah, we're pretty, <laughs> we think it's a pretty uh, important, important uh, milestone. And and, uh, and the thing is, though, is that Bloomberg only uh, gives fund solutions that they think can go at least nationwide. So, you know, we're pretty uh, pretty psyched about it. I'm curious, you've kind of talked a little bit about uh, your experience getting this, um, getting this started, but can you talk a little bit about what other agencies were involved in RealFix? I mean, you are the chief innovation officer, right? So you're looking at this from uh, an innovative standpoint at the top. But what other agencies were involved? You know, who were the main stakeholders? Who were other people that really helped you bring this project together and win the challenge? Yeah, actually, there are quite a few players. I mean, one of our main, main uh, so with, within the city, 
you know, we have, I'm, I'm just the chief innovation officer, so I, I don't actually head up any department, but, you know, Department of Health and Human Services is key uh, and the Office of Emergency Management because they're the ones that have the 911 call center and also provide the ambulances. Uh, and uh, those were key. Then outside of the city, we have uh, Rutgers at uh, New Jersey Medical School. Uh, they actually give us kind of like a clout, right? It's like when we talk about uh, medication-assisted treatment, we're also talking about creating best practices. Like what's the, what's the best practice way to administer uh, medication-assisted treatment? And so there we've got Dr. Stanley Weiss. He's uh, done NIH-sponsored research into MAT. Um, he said that uh, this is the most hopeful in his like 40 years in dealing with opioid addiction. This is the most hopeful he's, he's felt. Um, so, I was like, wow. um, and that's, that's quite a compliment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotta, gotta be rewarding. Yeah, yeah. Gotta be rewarding uh, to hear that. So, uh, so they're very key, right? Because um, we are going to be gathering data, and uh, we're going to be gathering data. We're collecting that through the, the QuickBase tool, um, like because when we refer somebody to a doctor and then a treatment provider, we're going to continue following up with them, tracking that information on QuickBase. And then gathering that information, gathering it, uh, combining with other uh, information to, uh, among other things, determine which the tr which treatment centers are actually the quality treatment centers. Uh, so Rutgers New Jersey Medical School will be doing that evaluation and also reaching out to uh, treatment centers and saying, "Hey, you know what? Um, we're not referring patients to you." because you haven't adopted best practice, but if you wanted us to refer patients to you, this is how you would go about it, to get more and more providers to, to adopt best practice with regards to treatment, and, and even there are MAT providers out there that are not doing it quite right, so even them we're trying to you know, bring up. So, um, so they're a key partner. Um, St. Joseph's uh, um, Medical Center, that they're our local hospital or local emergency department, they're a very key partner, uh, particularly in dealing with the homeless, uh, because the homeless don't do too well with a teledoc appointment. But still, you know, even through the quick base tour, we've mapped two pathways. One is for the housed person. They're going like a teledoc route, a pharmacy and delivery to their home. And then there's the other route is like, okay, you're a homeless person. You know, we're, we're sending uh, a transportation provider onto the street to pick you up, to take you to the emergency room, and then take you to... Uh, um, housing at EVAS, which is a, a shelter, and then getting you admitted to a treatment center. So um, that, that's actually another part that was very key to us mapping out was, okay, in the in instance where somebody is on the street and can't take a teledoc appointment, how do we make sure that the transportation provider is picking them up, getting them to the hospital, and that they're getting, again, that medication within 90 minutes of when they asked for it? It's a brave frontier, and there's certainly not a workflow that exists for anything that you're doing here. I mean, you're you're really creating it from scratch, right? Oh, on, yeah. on all those different players' parts. So, was that difficult to map out with your teams? Uh, well, you know, we 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 went about it very methodically. Um, so, you know, we did like process flow. We we did like um, journey mapping, and then a pro the formal process flow, and then actually created a script for like each step, like. They say this, you say this, they say this, you say this. Um, and so actually, even in the quick base tool, what we're going to be using is that as you go from this step to that next step, it's not just like, check, I did that, but it's like flashing before you. 
say this, you know, oh, if they said that, say this, right? Because you want the, the operator to not have to take their eyes off the, off the screen, right? They want everything to be at, at, their, at their fingertips. Um, and actually what it was a, a pretty cool finding that we had, because I was actually the acting as the operator, was that I realized that, whereas I used to be thinking that I was going to have to have a call center, I realized that the call center could be any place that somebody had a tablet, right? We had like a cloud-based phone system and QuickBase is cloud-based. So we said, you know what? We're not even going to need like a call center, right? So when I wound up doing my budget, originally I was budgeting for a call center. And then I said, you know what? I don't need a physical call center. I just need people work from anywhere just with a tablet and they could do the whole thing and be the, the call center by the tablet. So um, it's kind of a brave new world. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, that's really interesting, Ed, because you hadn't said that to me yet. And so I'm curious, you were working with 311 on this project as well. So how does that, you know, is the workflow still going to be going through 311 or are you not going to be using that anymore because you're going to be doing tablets and not having to deal with the call centers? Yeah. Well, we don't have 311. We have, we do have 911, just like everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we are going to be coordinating with the 911 call center uh, because the homeless people um, often have phones that are out of minutes. But if you didn't know this, even when your phone is out of minutes, you can still make a 911 call. Um, so, you know, if it comes, so if a homeless person needs uh, transportation to start his medication assisted treatment, we say it's okay for you to call 911 normally. We don't want you to do that, but it's okay for you to. Uh, you know, they're homeless, they're on the street. It also gives us the opportunity to use GPS to identify where they are because they're not like at 123 Main Street. They're like under the Route 80 overpass. Uh, hard for them to give an address, but if they call 911, then we could use GPS to locate them. And then either the 911 operator would be using QuickBase or the 911 operator would be transferring the call to, you know, a dedicated uh, real fix operator who's using QuickBase. But uh, yeah, it's uh, now it gets real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when you and I first started talking about this project, um, you know, we we both I think saw how we could partner together pretty immediately. Um, but I'm curious what your initial experience was with QuickBase. I know you worked with our customer acceleration group to help get this pilot off the ground. Um, but I'm just curious, uh, you know what that initial experience was and really why you decided to move forward with us as a partner in this pilot. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I had, you know, from my past, I've worked with business process management systems before. Uh, a lot of them are very expensive and uh, very hard to get started with. Um, it's a big financial investment, right? I, I really, uh, I really value the fact that QuickBase was willing to start small and saw like the opportunity of where this might go. You know, and uh, but I really needed a tool that could manage this process very tightly, right? Because like this hitting this 90 minutes isn't like just happenstance. It's not serendipity. Like we're managing like literally every minute and we needed a system that could also track like, okay, to get from here, this, this step to that step that took on average this amount of minutes so that later we could track it and say, you know, we're taking too long in filling prescriptions. We need to whittle that down. So I needed a, a tool that could really manage a process very tightly and gather that data. Um, I needed something quick to implement. And, and that was critical because 
initially we were thinking about, well, we can't find somebody that's going to be able to do this with us quickly enough in time to make the application, right? We were thinking about like just doing it like on a piece of paper with a stopwatch and just like, fud, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, but uh, but but because we were able to build the process so quickly, you know, realize that it, it was a very short amount of time between when we were told that you're a semifinalist to when we had to resubmit our application. It was just a few months, right? And so it's like when we were told, okay, you're one of the semifinalists, go ahead, build your pilot solution. That was a very short amount of time. Um, and we were able to, so we needed something that we could develop quickly. Um, but just as important, we needed something that didn't like anchor our feet in cement, like, well, you define this process. This is the way it is. We'd like needed to say, you know what, this didn't quite work. And we need to, like some of the questions, like we actually started, uh, you know, pretending to have conversations with potential uh, patients, right? And, uh, and so that we realized that the conversation that we were having was really kind of clumsy. And so we had to like reorder the process. Like it's better to ask this question up here and this and capture this information. And you know, if he answers this way, then you ask this question. If he answers this way, then he answers that question. That was like we were like refining that constantly. Um, and before we actually went live and were able to do this in seventy six minutes. So that was the other thing we needed. We needed something that was you know nimble. Right? We said uh, quick and then nimble. You know, the HIPAA compliant was just like wow. Uh, because this is, we are gathering health-related information. We're gathering in social security numbers and names and addresses, you know, very confidential information, insurance uh, carrier information. So we needed something that was uh, was HIPAA compliant. But uh, so all of those things just was really like guiding us to, uh, to quick base. And just the fact that you saw the opportunity here, I mean, um, is that, this we we were we're going for this challenge. We we know it's just a million dollars for Patterson, but eventually we fully expect this to go nationwide. And Bloomberg does too. That's why they put a million dollars behind us. Is because they say, yeah, if if you guys get this to work, this is definitely going nationwide. So, so yeah, I, I mean, if I hadn't gone with QuickBase, I just would have been doing it on a piece of paper, fudging it. So. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. That's, yeah, very exciting. And, you know, I, I love the, I keep going back to the innovation piece, but, you know, you're really paving a new way of handling a problem that's been around for quite a while. So you mentioned, you know, you can see this going nationwide, and so could the Bloomberg team. Um, what other, are there other services or programs that you've seen, like these are services that really could accentuate what we're doing here that you could see adding on? I mean, government is just replete with handoffs, right? It's like this person comes up to that person and, and, and things fall within the cracks and then uh, and things get lost in those cracks. Um, part of our, you know, real fixed solution was dealing with addicted homeless people because they were like 11% of our overdoses with the homeless. Uh, and so it naturally gravitated over to we needed to, even before a homeless person agreed to go into treatment, we needed to know who the homeless people are, right? We need to know who they are, you know, where they shelter, uh, what their conditions are. Do they have an addiction? Do they not have an addiction? Um, and so one of the things that we built out rather quickly after we were named uh, the winners was a, a survey tool, right? So... Um, every county in the, in the country does a point-in-time count of the homeless. 
And we said, well, this is our opportunity. If we could build this quick, we could, we could build the point-in-time survey into QuickBase so that all of the volunteers out there, rather than being freezing and trying to take a survey on paper, and, and I'll tell you something, if you see these paper survey forms, they're almost illegible because you're freezing out there and you're trying to take a survey at 4 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and, uh, and so we, like, I would say over the course of a weekend, I, I built, like, you know, QuickBase started me, but then, uh, then I, like, built it out for the other half of it in, like, the course of a weekend, and it was ready by Tuesday. And, and we went out there, and so we, we used it to survey the homeless with the objective of, of making this not just a point-in-time count that we do once a year, but that we continuously survey the homeless on the streets so we know who they are, we know where they shelter, and that uh, when there's like capacity, particularly when there's capacity, right? Because we're going to be building this this capacity of uh, treatment providers. And when you know, when the homeless shelter says, "By the way, we got two beds. We can take two beds in now. Uh, go find those homeless people that are willing to accept treatment." We know who they are. We know where they shelter. We kind of know what their state of mind as far as what they've shared with us before. So it's pretty cool. Like I said, I, you know, half of it was built in just over the course of the weekend. Um, so, but it was good. And by the way, wow. did I say I built it myself? I mean, that that was, you know, it was, yeah, it was it was that fast. I mean, it, it, it wasn't that hard to figure out. So, um, yeah, so it worked pretty well. And, and you don't have a background in IT, right? Uh, you know, I always have. I always, uh, I always hack around, but no, I don't have any computer science training. I, I have done computer programming before. Uh, let's put it this way: I'm familiar enough that I don't get scared. You know, um, I'm, I'm comfortable okay. with just banging on things until they work, um, and it wasn't that hard. So. Well, I, I appreciate that plug. That. Um... You know, you didn't ask for. I swear. <laughs> no, I like um, things that work. I like things. That it's like, well, let's put it this way: if you always have to go to IT to get anything done, you're really going to get slowed down, right? Um, you know, the reason Excel was the thing that made the personal computer, you know, something that everybody had to have, and I'm old enough to remember that, uh, is because everybody could use it, right? Everybody knew how to use like Lotus One Two Three. Right? That was before Excel. Uh, and that's why everybody needed a computer. Because we didn't have to go to the IT guy anymore, right? Uh, the second you have to go to the IT guy every time, it is like when just things just crawl to a, to, to a snail's pace where you have to put in special, you know, requisitions of time and budget and all of that stuff. And all of that, like, tweaking at the margins that you're going to do continuously. It's like, oh, now I have to go back to the IT guy to tweak it? Oh, crap, that's another two weeks. So, um, yeah, so it's important to have a tool that you can use yourself. And then, you know what, you know, if, if we're going to, you know, polish it and scale it, fine. Then I'll give it back to the IT guys. But to get me up and running, no, I can't be slowed down by them. Sorry, IT guys. Right, right. Well, my, my next awesome. life, I'll come back as an IT guy. But for this life, <laughs> I don't want to be dependent upon Karma. <laughs> no, but it's true. And, and I, the people, you know on the IT teams, they want to work on more strategic things than just, hey, I need this field fixed. Yeah. Hey, I need to create a new report. Hey, I need this custom application to track homelessness. Um, you know, they that takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of resources. There is a lack of developer talent out there as it is. So, 
you know, quick base can help improve the relationship between IT and agencies so that agencies can quickly make a change or uh, just be more flexible and independent. And then they can go to IT when they need, like you said, when they need something maybe shined up mm -hmm. or they need to add a little bit of code to it. Um, then they can bring IT into that or, you know, vice versa, however IT wants to set it up. But um, yeah, I, I haven't just, tried integrating with external databases yet or things like that. But, you know, you don't need that to get started. You know, it's like my, my area is like innovation, right? So it's like I like to build something that's brand new and that takes, you know, rapid iteration. And uh, so you, you just can't be beholden to asking for IT stuff every, need, every time you need to make a tweak. In your role in innovation, not every community is fortunate enough to have someone like yourself that's leading innovation. But would you have advice for those um, out there who, you know, are in a, an, a you know, any sort of agency? Mm -hmm. They've got this great idea. It's out of the box. You know, what advice would you give to somebody who maybe doesn't have a formal innovation role, but, you know, they're trying to experiment to solve uh, community problems? Uh, wow, that's that's a big question. I remember I, I was uh, speaking with this guy who was uh, forming an innovation department in, I won't say which company. Uh, and he said to, to, to engage people in innovation, I went out and found the most surly annoyed people that he could find in the company. Like, basically, he was saying, I was just finding people that were really dissatisfied with how things were running. Like, this should be better. This, th we got to do this better. So first, find people like that. Find people that are just like, you know what? We can do this better because that, that's key. Uh, but then the next thing is, is, and there's no replacement for this, is, is persistence. It's like, everybody feels they have the authority to say no but nobody feels they have the authority to say yes, okay? So you just have to keep on it. And, and with, that, with that in mind, how do you convince people? And I would have to say is data. So um, I'm curious, Ed, you know, one thing that you mentioned is just that you, you know, Bloomberg saw this as something that could go national, it could grow, um, and that that was one reason you you believe that you guys you know, came out ahead in this challenge. So I'm curious what impact you think QuickBase had on you all winning the Bloomberg. Uh, yeah, actually, the funny thing was is that, you know, you can kind of speak um, high level and like imagine, if you will, a call center, you know, computer-aided dispatch center that helps you track like down to the minute what time you're spending on each process. And like, you know, why do I think that I could do this in 90 minutes? That's like crazy. Uh, but they actually, one of, one of the uh, two of the Bloomberg um, philanthropy members actually came here and we actually showed them the solution. So we showed them the quick base solution. We say, by the way, you know, hitting 90 minutes isn't just serendipity. You know, it's like we are tracking like every, every step in the process. And like if this doctor is allotted 30 minutes and he goes to 35, like an alarm goes off. And we, we message out the doctor. He says, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you I was done. And it's like, then we, you know, so we're, we can manage, like, every step in the process. And we can refine that. And, and when they saw that, you know, Bloomberg is extremely data-driven, right? So when they saw that we could track it like, down to, you know, every step down to the minute or down to the second, and that we could tweak our process quickly, uh, they, were, they were like, oh, you know, they're not hitting this 90 minutes out of just luck. 
you know, they're not going for like 90 minutes on average. They're going for like every single interaction is satisfied within 90 minutes. And they're showing me how they can do it. It's, it's, they're not just doing it on a piece of paper. They've already built out the system. I think that it also kind of says like, gosh, if you guys could do this in like just a few months, you know, it's like, yeah, I think that, you know, that's one of the things is that they, they were looking for likelihood that not just they had a great idea, but that you showed some expertise and that you could actually be successful in implementing it. And, and when we said, well, we've already built this much already, you know, um, matter of fact, most of the million dollars is not going to be going to building the solution uh, because so much of it is built already. Uh, they said, I think they saw that, yeah, if, if, if you've gotten this far in just a, a few months, it's like definitely a good bet for us. Well, Ed, um, the Patterson community is certainly very fortunate to have you. Um, and one of the really, the things that Jen and I want to highlight is the great government projects and civil servants out there that are doing great things. Um, in the mainstream media, all you hear is a lot of negative about the government. But um, as government specialists, Jen and I have the opportunity to talk to people like you all day who are really, you know, pushing the bar, improving their communities and just doing some amazing things. So one of the segments that we want to add to our podcast is uh, Unsung Heroes. So is there any person on your team that maybe didn't get oh. a shout out? Um that, that you would like to spotlight that oh, we could, gosh. you know, get, give a thumbs up to for his or her involvement uh, in the project? I'm going to say Tanae Joyner in our health department. She's awesome. Uh, Dr. LaPietra in St. Joseph Medical Center. Dr. Junasia, our first teledoc. Um, uh, the closest thing that we found to Ronald McDonald out there uh, for MAT. And, uh, and, and Rutgers New Jersey Medical School, Dr. Stanley Weiss. Absolutely. Great. Awesome. Great. I love that. I love there's so many people out there that are helping with this project. It's great. Okay. Well, All great right. speaking with you. Thank you so much for your help in, in us winning this million dollar uh, challenge. Uh, it's just, can't, can't believe how excited the whole city is. So. Yeah. So we're really excited to be able to partner with you on it and are excited to kind of see how it grows over the next Absolutely. few months. Jen, that was a spectacular interview. Um, great idea to bring Ed to GovTech Talks. I think it's the exact spotlight of what we're trying to do here. Spread the good news of innovators in the government space and the good work that they're doing. I mean, this has an impact on his community, but it sounds like this could really go national. And I know you've been working with him for like two years now. so. A uh, great idea to bring him on, and thanks for introducing me and all of our listeners. Yeah, so um, Ed and I have been working together for a couple years now, but we didn't start working on this real fixed prog uh, program together until last year. Um, and so it kind of just shows how quickly it all came together, like he was saying. Uh, but we, you know, Ed and I, we initially clicked because we both had that innovative mindset where we wanted to think outside of the box and how can we solve problems together. Um, and so when he was telling me about this, this Bloomberg challenge, 
I mean, it, immediately I was like, okay, customer acceleration group here at QuickBase, we can help them get um, a pilot spun up really quickly, ensure that they can use it as part of their application. And then um, that, like he was saying, then they can use that data for that application as well and prove their concept versus just talking about it. Um, so, I mean, it gives me chills when I talk about it because it's, it's real life-saving work, like legitimately life-saving work. And the fact that I work for a company that not only um, empowered me to be a part of it, but that also helped bring this to light with our pilot program is just awesome. It is. It's the underserved people of the population that often, uh, I think it, people get bogged down in what can't be done instead of stretching themselves to what can be. So uh, it sounds like you've been a great resource to him too. So I'm sure um, he appreciates the work that, that you've done with him. So uh, great interview, loved it. I think everybody, all of our listeners are going to benefit from hearing some of those advice and real tips on managing innovation and different agencies, all that. So um, look forward to getting feedback from our listeners and hear if anybody else is interested in taking this on and if we can uh, facilitate it with them, it'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. And from here, we will go ahead and take it to the Funding Minute. Hey everyone, it's time for our Funding Minute on GovTech Talks. Today I want to talk about the grant that Congress included um, recently in the infrastructure package for cyber grants. They included $1.2 trillion in the infrastructure package dedicated to cyber grants for public sector organizations. There are still more questions than answers when it comes to this funding, but there will be opportunities for large and small jurisdictions to get money with some set aside specifically for local governments that don't have the expertise on hand to typically successfully apply for, receive, and manage grants. Cyber plans will be required to receive the funds and um, applications for state and local agencies will likely be released in March or April of this year. And it seems like May would probably be the earliest that grants are approved. But wanted to just shout out this cybersecurity grant program that's going to be coming out. So keep your eyes open for that funding. Great info, Jen. And right along those same lines for today's tech spotlight, I wanted to share with everyone an interesting development regarding uh, biometric authentication. So, of course, cybersecurity is a hot topic for everybody across the country, and uh, it's an interesting development what's happened with the IRS. Uh, some of our listeners might have had an interest in requiring facial recognition integration for ID verification, but uh, we've got a little word of caution there. The IRS this week halted its plan to do this after they got pressure from privacy advocates and lawmakers the original plan was to require users to upload a government-issued ID that would then be compared with their facial recognition software. This was all going to be powered through the third-party ID me. Uh, the real pushback, though, was the requirement for the biometric data to be stored there in order to authenticate and access government services. So um, I, I think everybody's clear on the ability to use the biometric data, uh, but it, it's 
can't be really required in order to access the government services. So just a word of caution out there for anybody who might be exploring that as um, an option for cybersecurity. Might wanna take a little pause on that. Oh, 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 oh,